This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Politicians and political parties have often used contentious issues to create political energy and drive people to vote throughout our country's history. But these days, conservative politicians are increasingly focusing on issues like abortion, same-sex marriage, trans rights, and critical race theory. And critics say this trend represents a rise in what's called Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism is best summarized as the belief that the history and character of the United United States is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. Our guest today counts himself among its critics and says that while supporters of Christian nationalism portray it as a social movement, it's actually a well-organized political movement that seeks to gain political power and to impose its vision on all of society. Reverend Paul Rauschenbusch is an ordained Baptist minister and he's president and CEO of Interfaith Alliance, a national nonprofit founded in 1994 to advocate for religious freedom and pluralism here in the United States. He'll be in Southwest Florida this Wednesday, February 15th, to give a talk titled Confronting Christian Nationalism, Advancing True Religious Freedom and Pluralism. It's part of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Greater Naples Progressive Voices series. I spoke with him on Friday to get a bit of a preview and to explore his thoughts on the rise of Christian nationalism in the United States. Let's hear that conversation now. Paul, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. I'm so glad to be with you. So for starters, just tell us a little bit about Interfaith Alliance. Interfaith Alliance is a 30-year-old organization that was founded in the 90s, really in large part because there was an oversized influence of the Christian Coalition and some of the televangelists who were basically claiming the mantle of religion all religion for society. And there were many, many people of different faith traditions who were kind of like, that doesn't really represent who I am and what we believe. So a group of Jewish and uh, Christian leaders, as well as other faith traditions got together and say, let's let's have a conversation about what religion can mean and a way to promote a religion that envisions a separation of church and state, uh, the invitation, of course, of inspiration of religious people, but not demanding that religion um, impose its beliefs on the wider society. And that's that's what the origin is, and that's what we've been doing for 30 years, both in D.C. and we have affiliate network around the country who we work with. How would you say the times that we're in now would compare to the mid-90s when Interfaith Alliance first came to be? I think they're very similar in some ways in the sense that we have a current um, very kind of well-organized, top-down driven uh, group of Christian nationalists who are again trying to impose a certain kind of belief on the rest of the population. However, the population has changed so much in 30 years. The, The changing demographics are pretty remarkable. We have many more people who don't claim any faith tradition. Close to 30% of young people do not have a religious tradition. We have many more religious traditions in the mix, a broader assortment of Hindus and Muslims and Jains and Sikhs. And they're all part of the landscape in a way that in the 90s, that just wasn't quite as apparent as in, and as important. So so we, we have a, a a religious landscape that is more diverse. We have a demographic landscape that is more diverse. And um, at the same time, we have a certain part of the population and you know they are largely white, Christian, um, 
a little bit older who are very fearful of what that represents for the future. And, and one of my main messages is that does not have to be fearful. Everyone can be a part of it. And, and I hope that that is a message that can break through so that Christian nationalism does not feel like the only path for this group that feels under attack. Can you uh, a bit more formally define Christian nationalism, and would you say there's a consensus as to what it is, or is that sort of variable? Christian nationalism, broadly uh, speaking, is a political ideology that uses religious terminology to try to gain power. Uh, And so it is um, gaining currency in our current landscape, um, driven in a large part because of a political effort to ensure that certain portions of the population retain a a powerful grip on America. And so I hasten to say that, unfortunately, this is largely put forth by um, white Christian Protestants like myself, um, but it is not specifically uh, a Christian movement And it is not a patriotic movement. It is a nationalist movement, which I think seeks to um, undermine both our democracy as well as um, pervert our faith. What are its core beliefs? Well, its core beliefs are that uh, this was a Christian nation to start with, and it it has to maintain that identity, and, and it has to have laws that represent that original Christian identity. And if we stray from that, we will lose the favor of God, all of which is not a historical rendering of our country. Our country was not founded as a Christian nation. Our our country was founded specifically and intentionally to not represent one faith tradition. And the founders, they did many things that wrong. They did that very right to say, we will not have one religious tradition indeed. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, uh, all of the founders went out of their way to say, we are not a nation founded as a Christian nation. So to say that, um, unfortunately, that has gotten into the um, kind of a mythology of America, which is factually incorrect. Would you say that Christian nationalism is a cultural movement, a social movement, or a political movement, it's or a political some combination? Movement. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all of those. In some ways, it's kind of an identity, um, and it's an identity around which people are, are rallying. But I, I think largely it's a political movement. And, you know, what, what we're seeing is many people don't, you know, within the movement don't like the term Christian nationalist because they think it's, uh, you know, it has a negative connotation, which I I would agree it does. Um, But we're seeing it manifesting in a lot of different ways. We we see it manifesting when the governor of Oklahoma, someone who's supposed to represent all the people of Oklahoma, prays that he's claiming all of Oklahoma for Jesus. Now, if you're a Jew, or if you're um, an atheist, or if you are... um, you know, a Christian of a different variety, and you hear your governor say that, what does it mean for your status in that uh, in that state? Like, likewise, when Governor DeSantis uh, claims the armor of, you know, of God that he's putting on, and he says, like, to protect him against the left, and by that, he's, he's quoting from Ephesians, and actually 
but he's actually substituting the left for the devil. And that is heard loud and clear. We're in a moment where people are using this kind of spiritual religious language for political points. And it's just very, very dangerous for our democracy, where all are welcome, all are invited, all are treated equally under the law. You mentioned a little while ago that it's a top-down movement. So you would say it's not a grassroots movement? No, it's extremely well funded. It's organized, and uh, and and so there's a there is you know this is actually something I, uh, Catherine uh, Stewart, uh, who is one of the leading experts uh, in this, talked about recently with me is that this is a very centralized, intentional movement that is spreading because it's being intentionally spread. It's not that it's just you know. Um, emerging as a grassroots movement. This is a mobilization. It's a political mobilization for a political end. Would it be fair to say that the sort of modern version of it as a political top-down thing kind of got started in maybe the 80s, early 80s, somewhere around there? You know, that, I'm a little outside of my depth there. I don't, I'm not, don't, would not claim to be a historian of this movement in particular. We did see a very strong rise of the Christian right at that time. And so I think it has been kind of decades in the making um, and has worn different faces and, and had different manifestations. Um, we would probably wouldn't have used the term Christian nationalism at that time, but, but I do think that it, it is building upon that movement and, and, you know, this is this is something this idea of like, you know, this kind of retrofitting history, you know, in the 1950s, the National Association of Evangelicals tried to put in God and Jesus into the Constitution, and they were thwarted specifically by other Christians and other Jewish groups and other civic groups who said, no, 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 it wasn't there in the beginning. And it was intentionally not there. Let's not add it. But this effort at claiming this for a Christian nation and making and asking that everything subsume itself to this very narrow understanding of what Christianity is, by the way, um, it, you know, this, this is not that new. It precedes the 80s even. Um, you know, you work to uh, push back against it, I guess would be a way to put it. How much pushback is there in outspokenness from within various Christian denominations um, against this movement or trying to, you know, shine light on it? Yeah, there's 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 we're an interfaith organization, so we do it with an interfaith lens, which essentially looks, you know, Interfaith Alliance looks at America as a broad, diverse group of people of faith and no faith from all different traditions. And we work with people from 75 different traditions across the country. Um, there are other groups uh, that um, work at this uh specifically from the Christian standpoint, I want to give a shout out to one of them, which is Christians Against Christian Nationalism, that is specifically made up of um, often uh, kind of uh, people from a more conservative Protestant background who are saying, no, this does not represent our faith because we believe as as Christians, that this this is a, a wrong exercise of our faith. So there are many Christian groups who are working against this, as well as interfaith groups. And of course, um, the more secular groups and civic groups are, are concerned about it because of the way it's manipulating um, politics in a way that um, is adverse to many, many people and, and only represents a thin slice of American population. I'm going to have to ask you to speculate a little on this one because you can't really know exactly what's in other people's heads. But do you think the people who knowingly support the Christian nationalism movement are consciously aware that it is a political thing that is being, you know, fostered, you know, from the top down? 
I think that they are often people who, um, frankly, you know, I, I think that this is a movement that has a lot of built-in fear that, you know, there's, there's a, there, there is an expanding um, diversity of, of um, race and religion and backgrounds in America. And so they have a fear, you know, and so I think that often it's, they don't think of themselves as doing something political, but they think of themselves as, as being, you know, good Christians or good patriots. And I would invite them to think that of, the, of what it means to show up as a Christian, loving our neighbor, treating our neighbor with equal respect and equal dig dignity, and as a patriot of people who love our country and its founding of being for everyone. Th those things I think are, are sometimes missing, but my guess is, is they often feel like it's an exercise of their faith. And um, there's an amazing new poll from the Public Religion Research Institute and the Brookings Institute that just came out that I encourage people to look at that really gets into who the Christian nationalists are, what they believe, and uh, some of these questions that we're getting into today. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guest. Reverend Paul Rauschenbusch is president and CEO of Interfaith Alliance. We're getting a preview of his upcoming talk with the Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Naples titled Confronting Christian Nationalism, Advancing True Religious Freedom and Pluralism. If you'd like to engage with the show about today's topic or any of our episodes, please do so using WGCU social media. Find us on Facebook and on Twitter. On Twitter, just use the hashtag GCL. So uh, can you break down sort of the key issues that this movement is pursuing at this time? Well, I think they, the goal is actually to control society and have it, you know, be reflective of, the, um, of their vision of, of Christian Christianity, however they, they view it. I mean, that includes not only politics, but the law, entertainment, um, finance, all sorts of areas. So it's not, it's not a kind of a discreet movement in the corner. It's meant to to override all other areas of, of society. So, um, but, but we're seeing it in many different ways. I mean, you certainly in Florida, there's no shortages of, of the ways it's manifesting itself. And, uh, you know, I would say attacks on um, LGBTQ people, uh, a real effort to rewrite um, history to make uh the real experience of black Americans as more palatable to white people. You see this in many different ways that it's showing up. And unfortunately, um, it has real ramifications for people's lives. And that's what I just want to make sure that people understand is that this is ideology, but it's ideology that's being in, in, inflicted on others. It's a, it's a political ideology with religious trappings that is being inflicted on a wider population. It has real implications for families uh, who are impacted by this, these beliefs that often minimize who they are and their role in society. You know, uh, one of the issues that is, uh, you know, right front and center these days is abortion with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And we did have Catherine Stewart on this show a while back. And, you know, in reading her book, it was interesting to learn that things like, you know, the Republican Party was not pro-life at the time Roe v. Wade was passed. They weren't openly, that wasn't an issue for them. That wasn't a plank. Um, you know, the, the Southern Baptist Convention supported Roe v. Wade. Billy Graham said, I believe in Planned Parenthood. So there was a, a switch that flipped somewhere along the line where what we would assume would go back into deep history doesn't really go back into deep history. So I guess that's part of this sort of using it as a political tool thing. Well, 
Absolutely. And the flip is really astounding, especially for the Baptist. I, I come from a Baptist tradition that proudly talks about the separation of church and state because it was the only way we could survive in a, you know, in the original um, states. We needed separation of church and state so that Baptists could practice their religion freely. Um, so part of the reason the Baptists did is they said they believed in separation of church and state. They believed in the freedom of conscience of individuals to make their own choices regarding their their relationship with the divine. Um, freedom of, of conscience is a really important Baptist principle. And so the, the truth is, is that for many, many years, the Baptists uh, supported um, Roe v. Wade, and then it flipped. Um, right now, you're just recognizing that there are, you know, many religious traditions um, do support the right of women to reproductive freedom. Uh, and you're seeing several of those kind of step up and say, okay, where's my freedom of religion? You are, you're imposing a religious doctrine on us, but we have religious freedom as well to exercise our personal and private choices about morality. Um, and, and the laws that are being passed are impinging upon that. So it is, you know, th these, these things shift, uh, uh, apparently a lot. And, and so, yeah, abortion is a really good case of, a of a large swath of American population that really shifted on that. I looked up the, the data and in, in 1990, 85% of, uh, adults in the U.S. identified themselves as Christians. In 2020, it was down to 65 percent. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on whether that shrinking population is somehow linked to the rise of this movement. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I think a, a kind of a recent history there is a, a friend of mine who's the head of uh, Public Religion Research Institute, Robbie Jones, wrote a book, a great book called End of White Christian America. And it came out right before the 2016 election. And I think Part of that election was people kind of, um, you know, many people saying, "Oh my God, if not now, if we don't, if we don't hold on and white knuckle our our country, we're going to lose it." And so, but the fact is, is that Christianity very soon will not even, will will represent less than fifty percent of the country, um, and and we're we're becoming a much more uh, uh, ethnically diverse. Many cities are already. Um, majority minoritized uh, populations. And so, um, yeah, the, 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 the shift of, of Christianity and the plummeting of Christianity uh, in, in public is, is really is a real fear for a lot of people. But here's the rub. Many of the people who are leaving Christianity, especially young people, are leaving it because they, they are perceiving Christianity as hostile to gay rights and to the rights of women. Um, they're just like, I'm not with that. Christianity appears to be, you know, uh, all about anti-gay stuff. So I'm, I'm going to leave Christianity behind. So, you know, for me as a pastor, um, I'm out there kind of say, hey, you know, don't believe everything the loudest voice is saying. You know, there's many, many churches who are um, who welcome uh, LGBTQ people into our midst. One of the Interfaith Alliance's most recent um, successes was in supporting uh, the Respect for Marriage Act that was passed in uh, the Senate, the, co the Congress. Um, and one of the things we did is we created a broad-based coalition of religious groups from across the spectrum saying, actually, 
our tradition supports marriage equality, and we just want to make sure that you understand that. And we support the, the religious exemptions that are included in this package, and they are sufficient, they are abundant, and we, we want this bill passed because it's our belief. And it was a, a great moment. And when, when the opposition came from the hardcore religious right saying, oh, no, they can't have marriage equality, um, uh, the, the senators were able to say, actually, there's a broader coalition of religious people who support this and, we're, and, and we stand behind what we're doing. At this moment, uh, and I don't you know if you have data on this, but just what's your sense of whether this is a, a growing movement or a declining movement here in the U.S.? It's a really interesting question. I, I can't seem to get a, a, a grip on it. It is a depressingly broad group of people. And I think the, the politics of it are making it even more um, potent than it probably would be otherwise. It's heavily aligned with QAnon. And unfortunately, um, they're, one of our parties is becoming more and more entwined with this very sort of right-wing mixture of QAnon, Christian nationalism, and, and conservative politics. So I, I, it seems like it has more power, but it is also deeply unpopular. Um, and that's the, you know, that's, the, I do um, kind of recognize that the, the 70% of Americans completely reject it. Um, and so it is not, this is not a popular movement, but uh, the reason I feel it's so important that we do speak out about what it represents and why it is not the best vision for our country going forward is that um, we just, we, we can't just let it slide. We have to say, this is not who we are. Let's imagine who we could be and cast that vision and invite a wide community into it so that, so that Christian nationalism eventually is, um, fades away as, as, a, as a failed attempt to uh, lead our country down a direction that it, it shouldn't be going. All right. Well, that is all the time we have, but I'd like to thank my guest, Reverend Paul Rauschenbusch, is president and CEO of Interfaith Alliance. Paul, thank you so much for being with me today. It was my pleasure. Reverend Rauschenbusch is presenting a talk titled Confronting Christian Nationalism, Advancing True Religious Freedom and Pluralism this Wednesday, February 15th at 7 p.m. at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Greater Naples. You can find a link to information about it on our website, wgcu.org gcl. You can also find a link there to the conversation I had last year with Catherine Stewart. She's author of The Power Worshippers Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism, that details the organizational infrastructure behind the modern Christian nationalism movement here in the U.S. If you missed any of the show today, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. Our social media coordinator is Tara Callaghan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for South. Southwest Florida. Thank you.